When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, everybody? This is the Talking Tactics Podcast. My name is Daniel. Hey, everyone. It's Carl Anker. We do this podcast every Tuesday. Remember to follow us on social media, on Twitter, at Talking Tactics, Instagram. Remember to give us a five-star review, and we will read on the show. We got two this week, so we're going to read these. By the way, Half Hope is doing the uh, football dugout right now. So when he's finished, he will join us. So go subscribe to Half Hope Football or whatever. But this is from Nigeria. It just reminded me. Um, amazing podcast. I'm a Chelsea fan from Nigeria and a huge HH fan. It's the kid, it's the kid, it's the kid. Really great podcast with the guys with greater knowledge of the game than most of these TV pundits. This podcast is my weekly routine every Tuesday during my lunch break at work. And would love to meet and talk with you guys in person someday on my next trip to the UK. You guys deserve the five-star rating. Thank you for the review uh, from Nigeria. We got another one from Kuwait. Um, wow. Awesome. We, we international. <laughs> we really international. Yeah, man. Um, awesome football podcast. My highlight every Tuesday. There are so many podcasts about football in the world with mostly unified information. However, Football Tactics gives you another dimension. It discusses football with special chemistry amongst the host and in a way that makes you feel like you're part of the discussion rather than listening to some expert sitting in a sitting in a podium. Great for Premier League followers, not so much other leagues, 75-25. Great job. Keep it up, guys. Abdel Abbas. I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name. Forza Inter, Kuwait City, Kuwait. So shout out to everybody who... Anybody who's ever left us a five-star review, I, I've done it for other things. It can be kind of sort of complicated or you just go another way, but it really means a lot. If you do, if you want to help the podcast out monetarily, though, we do have a Patreon. Have Hope and I will record something, I'm sure, today or tomorrow. I think we're going to be talking about the Dave Chappelle special. So if Ooh, you are... Boy. <laughs> If you're into that, that'll be coming to you. Three dollars a month. It's not. It's not too bad. Do you got anything you want the people to know before we jump this off? Subscribe to the Athletic. Read the Athletic. Thank you very much. <laughs> it was a through ball. You know, all I needed you to do was hit it. Um. So, you want to start with deadline day, or you want to start with actual football? Actual football. This okay. deadline day has been quite boring, and we talk about Neymar way too much on this podcast. We'll get there. So, let's start with the North London Derby. Did you watch? I'm, I'll assume you watched. I did watch the North London Derby. The North London Derby is my favorite game to watch in the Premier League, and it has been my favorite for about five, six years because both Spurs and Arsenal 
want to play attacking football, but both Spurs and Arsenal aren't very good at defending all the time. So it's always a high-scoring, maximum banter game of football. Um, and yeah, it was the past, you know, this time. It, this is an Arsenal side that is very much beginning a fun journey somewhere. And this is a Tottenham Hotspur side that is at a bit of a crossroads and is beginning to stall a bit. So um, in the end, what you got was a 2-2 draw. A very fun 2-2 draw where Spurs probably didn't deserve those two goals. And Arsenal, yeah, boxes chance. Just I'm, I'm thinking about the first goal. And I thought I, I saw a lot of people get on Socrates because like he didn't track the runner or what have you. And I think he tried to contest a ball that maybe he shouldn't have in midfield. And he kind of left space behind him. Do you think that was more on Socrates or David Luiz? Socrates was going up for the he went up for the header, didn't he? He went up for a header that he shouldn't have done. Um, there are some real defensive frailties, but you gotta bear in mind what Rob Holding still to come back. Um Bellerin still to, <laughs> that's weird to say, but there you are. Rob Holding still yet to return. Oh, Rob Holding, save you. Rob Holding Rob, Rob Holding still yet to come back. Uh Kieran yeah. Tier Kieran Tierney Tierney is uh he's not fit yet, and Bellerin's not fit yet. So all right, this is not. I don't think many people would think this is Arsenal's strongest back four, and this is what was really interesting about this North London derby is that both teams have many injured personnel and they haven't quite put in everyone into that squad yet. I'm not going to make any grand declarations as to which which is the greatest team in uh, North London yet. The deadline day just finished, and Ericsson got the first goal, and there was questions about whether he was going to stay with Spurs or he wasn't. Do you think? Ponchettino's maybe taking this team as far as he can. You, you, you know that kind of, and this is more like a, maybe a basketball thing or an American football thing. Bella Goodman said this. He said the coach gets three years. and, then, and Yeah, then yeah, yeah. It was, it was something been, like that. Yeah. Larry Bird said the same thing. We've been on this mm. podcast before saying you get three years at the top and then a team needs a refreshing. And this is five, six years of this, of this Tottenham, of this Pochettino Tottenham Hotspur project. You sure what? That long ago? 2013, 2014. Five years, five years. Damn. Um, old, man. Bro, I can remember where I was when Tim Sherwood was yeah. nonsense. <laughs> it was nothing. Yeah, um, but, you know, what, what I want to say is Tim Sherwood is in charge of Tottenham Square from 2013 to 2014. And it was Poch. So Poch came in in 2014. So mm-hmm. five years of this, Ferguson said something similar. Like, you get four years of a team at the top and then you need to change things. I don't want to say this team is getting boring, but I do think we've been on this podcast two or three times saying this is the end of the Spurge project and they've made us look stupid. So I'm not going to say that. And you got to bear in mind, Los Cielso is not quite a full fitness. Ryan Sessegnon hasn't been integrated in the side yet. And Dombele is still not in the side yet because he, you know, he's recovering from injury. You've still got Deli Ali only just came off the bench. There are elements of this squad of this Spurs team that need refreshing. Like they need a new right back. Davidson Sanchez is not right back. Toby Alderweireld and Jan Vertonghen both of those defenders have beef with the manager now and something needs to be done there. Juan Foyth, Davidson Sanchez don't look ready yet to take over from either man. So they're going to have to persist with those two. You know, if you want to be really ruthless, you could maybe improve on Hugo Lloris. Um, Cessignor coming at left back, that's quite nice. Ndombele and Los Cielso, yeah, that's quite a nice double pivot. It is very much a double pivot similar to the one they had with Dembele and I want to say Ericsson. But it, it, it was it's a weird one where... They are, they are in the middle of refreshing it because there's quite a few people still to come back, but they're refreshing it very much in the way they did it last time. If you remember how like Tom Hotspur, the amazing Tom Hotspur, that were legit title challenges, it was a lot of it was down to Danny Rose and Kyle Walker just bombing down those wings at fullback. 
And I haven't done that in a while. Danny, the Danny Rose we've got now is not the Danny Rose we had three or four years ago. And also that Danny Rose wants to leave. So what happens next? Mm. <laughs> still, Spurs, Thomas, are still are still probably the third best team in England. But I think that says a lot more to do with Arsenal, Chelsea and Manchester United than it does to do with Tottenham Hotspur progressing. Somebody asked us yesterday, he said, seriously, we need to put this Spurs back line under review. They're old, man. Yeah. <laughs> They're old. They're old. Okay. I, I didn't click on the video, but I saw it in my feed. Uh, it was an Arsenal fan TV video. And it said we can't rely on Lacazette and Aubameyang to bail us out every game. On one hand, I, I agree, but on the other hand, isn't, isn't that what they're supposed to do? Yeah, all right. It's, surely this is like one of the best things Wenger ever did when Wenger left. Wenger's like, all right, bye. The squad's kind of weak, but you've got two strikers that no matter what happens and how bad things get, you're always going to get a goal from yeah. one of them. You know, are you, are you aware of the time the uh, a puncher's chance in boxing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's got, he's, yeah. Arsenal always have a puncher's chance of winning a game of football because they've got two good to great Champions League quality level strikers. Yeah, you can't, maybe it's not the best thing to rely on. Well, I think there's one thing to say you can't rely on the, your strikers to always bail you out. There's also another one where you can't rely on your strikers to bail you out at like scoring three goals every game. Mm. So if you look at Mo Salah's first season, that Liverpool side needed their front three to score three goals every single game because if they didn't, their defence wouldn't be able to hold. I don't think Arsenal are that dominant in attack and I don't think they're that bad in defence. I just think even when Arsenal are struggling, there's always a chance. I'm envious as, and you probably are too, to an extent, but maybe not as much. Like I'm envious if when you look at that front three, it's like, okay, there's something that you can build upon there. Um, I, I forgot which commentator said it, but they were like, Arsenal, they're kind of doing what, or not they're kind of doing, but you can see maybe if they do the same investment that Liverpool did, where Liverpool got their front three together almost first. So they got Mane, Salah, Firmino, and they built that front three, and then they built the midfield, and then they went and got Van Dijk and Allison, and they built it that way. If Arsenal were well run, you have the goals up front. You just need to fill in the pieces behind. Like, obviously, they're not going to get Ceballos permanently unless Real Madrid's stupid, but you, you yeah. get like a really good kind of number eight, number 10, those kind of players that are in vogue these days. You definitely need you definitely need better defenders. And I'm not totally convinced on Leno. I know some people are. I'm not convinced. There is a, a tier above Leno that you would like if you're really trying to compete for a league. But, you know, the, the building blocks are in place for Arsenal. All they need is like the right investment. The thing is with Emery, though, just if, if you look at the midfield structure just of this game, uh, particularly, he had Guendouzi, Xhaka, and Torreira in midfield. There was really nobody to create. But nope. what he, I guess I, I guess what he was thinking was, I'll play the front three that haven't played before, and that should be enough. But it wasn't. You got it near immediately once he played on Ceballos and told Guendouzi to get forward more. Yep. Right? He played three defensive midfielders or players with a defensive midfield slant for a, you know bizarre reasons. I still don't know why. And, I imagine, and what it caused problems in the first half against Spurs because you know they just left a massive gap between Arsenal's attack and because they set quite deep, just right in front of the, fl- fr- uh, the back four. There was just a huge pocket of space for Son to be like, all right, I'm just going to run into this all the time. Um, things got better when Tobias came in. Tottenham Hotspur were nowhere near Arsenal in that second half. They were beaten up. That goal from Lacazette really, really swung things. I think if Spurs went in, if Spurs went in at two 0 at half time, I think the game would have been over. But that going in at two one really, really swung it. 
his touch to shoot. I mean, <laughs> like I said, man, I, I like it as a player. I, I I was impressed with him when whenever you watched him for Leon and you know, just jealous that Arsenal have him and then Obama Yang, and now Pepe. Like I look at that team and I'm just jealous of, of their attack. Almost the same way, like maybe a couple of years ago, you'd look at I would look at United. Yeah, I have Pogba, Martial. You got uh, Rashford and just just like you know people that you would want in the team. Yeah, um, United's attack didn't amount to anything because we had an idiot yeah. as a manager. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. No, 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 no. Speaking of like Mourinho is actually not that bad of a pundit. Like he's, he's good. He's good. Um, he's, have he's have hope has graced us with his presence. Yo, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? I'm alive, man. I'm alive. Blessed to still be alive and and, and breathing in this harsh world. It's true. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Carl. So, did you have a, a last point on North London? Yeah, neither neither of those teams are going to be competing for the title. Uh, but both of those teams will probably end up in the Champions League spaces. Chelsea United, bro. Just, just out here struggling. There was a question on that. That, that would be a good... Um, so, Black Emoji said, thoughts on Liverpool and City turning the Premier League into La Liga? They ain't turning it into La Liga. I think the incompetence of Manchester United, the incompetence of, us, of uh, Unai Emery and Chelsea getting a transfer ban and their fan base being incredibly toxic have changed, have turned the Premier League into a two-horse race. It's not Liverpool Man City's fault that the other competitors were idiots. But it uh, is a two-horse race, though. Yeah, it's two-horse. That, that's unquestionable. Like, these are two of the best Premier League sides in Premier League history, and they are doing amazing. But mm. you should also understand that I don't think we've ever seen a weaker fourth-best team in England, fifth-best team in England, sixth-best team in England. Yeah, that's true. a complete lie. That's a complete lie. Um, I don't think since, since the top six has been a thing, we have not seen a weaker top six. The idea that Leicester, Everton, Wolves, Crystal Palace, even maybe, probably not. But the, the idea that these teams like have a chance <laughs> over like Chelsea, United, Arsenal, like that's that's crazy. Where do you want to go next? Do you want to talk about Chelsea? Not really, but if you want to, we can. <laughs> Tommy, 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 Tommy. What's on your mind? What's on your mind, bro? Like, I, game of game, I need time to be able to get a better haircut. It's pissing me off. <laughs> I don't I know think, why it just makes me angry. I think with his hairline, that's as good as it can get. Why is it? Why is his fade so high? Why is it so? Oh, because man, not not everybody's blessed with like a, I don't know, Paul George or like Wijnaldum has a great hairline. By the way, an amazing hairline. Anyway, that's that's that. It's great time he's getting goals because we all wondered that would he just be a, a championship level striker, hmm. which you know is never a bad thing. But it's by great the way, getting... this is this is a great point, Carl. Who did Chelsea play last week? Norwich. Who did they play this week? Oh, snap. Oh, snap. So this is the thing I have with, <laughs> with Tammy. Like, it's great that he's scoring four goals in, in two games. Incredibly. It's incredible. But these games came at a perfect time for him because he played uh, United and then he came on as a substitute against Leicester. Didn't – I mean, he, uh, he hit the post, but he didn't look that great. Um, if you add up those maybe – 90 minutes that he played all told. But then he gets two teams that he would have played against with Villa last season. So you play Norwich, you play Sheffield. So now let's see what you do against Wolves after the international break. And that will tell me a little bit more yeah. about how Fair. good Tammy is. But he's, he's when, 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 when you said he's a more than a championship-level striker, last two clubs kind of got promoted. So we'll see what happens. Your uh, Tammy Abraham was going to be drug book prediction. How's that going? No, for me, look, I think look, I think you are very fair in um, 
your assessments specifically these are two teams who are still pretty much championship teams but i think like i still believe that and i stand by my the, the tweet that i made that tammy abram is what people hope rashford is you know like for me tammy is just the far better player and <laughs> i don't know where he's going Carl. i don't know yeah so what do no, you mean? I, even in the games that he didn't score in i.e. the united game and the liverpool game he still looked good his like his his movements, his general build of play all look good. So for me, I think the key thing like that was given that's a great test. Because that is a really good that's a team not to the level of a Liverpool or a City or a thingy, but they're still like that's next level below. So how he now does against better defenses, better teams, and he, he can consistently just score, I think will be key because I've just been through it. When was the last time Chelsea actually had a decent strike? I mean, they've been through Mutu. Um, what's the name of that Serbian guy? Is it um, Mat- Matija Kesman, Flipping Crespo, Shevchenko? The lineage Mar- would be Hasselbank, Drogba, yeah. Costa. Yeah, let's not sleep on Costa. Costa was great. Costa, the was, great. Costa, Costa, Costa was nice. Costa was no, nice. No, no, no. Costa Costa was it's been trash. It's been a long time. It's a long time. I, I would like to point out one thing. I was I, I put out um, after the game finished 2-2. I tweeted, is this where we get to talk about Abraham's two goals coming from mistakes and not necessarily any great play from Chelsea? And people saw that as me kind of getting at Abraham in some way, like, ah, like Abraham didn't play well. They came from mistakes. And almost like I was trying to attack Abraham. And that wasn't my point. So I thought maybe I could clear it up a little bit here. My point was Chelsea aren't playing in the attacking phase with enough verve, I think, to score goals. So they're almost reliant on the mistakes of the opponent. And as great as Tammy is as a poacher, and maybe you could survive in some games by doing that, what happens when you play a team that doesn't make as many mistakes? Do you create enough chances by yourself to score? And that's kind of my point. So I think Lampard needs to work on the offensive part of Chelsea's game to get them more fluid. Who else dropped points? United dropped points, didn't they? Yeah, boy. Rashford, man. He's a lone striker. He's not a lone striker. No, he's not. He's not. He's not. He's not good enough to lead the Manchester United line. He's twenty-one. So, oh, yeah, and, and, and also him, him, him being twenty, him, he's not good enough to lead the Manchester United line. Maybe because he's twenty-one. Maybe because you were at not... the game, Carl. So tell us. Yeah, I was at the game. I was at the game covering for things for United. First thing I noted, United. You know, Southampton were very good. Came out the blocks in the first ten minutes. Uh, no one was picking up Daniel James. He was just playing really high and wide, and the game plan was clearly get out to Daniel James. And let him do things. Yeah, that goal was quite nice. But other than that, that was it. United never really had any real chances. Um, a, a, one Basaka was having a fun little battle with Bufal. And then Southampton were really solid through the middle. Or Romeo was just like, all right, well, Manchester United only have one man in midfield, and that's Paul Pogba because Andreas is shit and Scott McTominay is shit. <laughs> so I'm just going to. So, so how about me and Hjordberg just double up on Pogba? And then Pogba suffers and then nothing's going to go through the middle. And then all they really have to deal with is whether or not Daniel James gets the ball. And that was it. That was just the first half. Second half, they clearly, apparently, uh, I heard uh, one of my sources at the club told me that James Ward-Prowse gave like a big rousing speech at halftime as Rouse Hustle went through video footage. And then you come in the second half, Kevin Danzo was overlapping Bufau on the left-hand side a lot, which gave Wan-Bissaka a problem because he didn't know whether to size up Bufal or whether or not to go to Danzo for the crosses. So the left-hand side was getting smashed up, which made Lindenoff have to get dragged out of position to help, 
which meant there was just that it gets space in the middle. If Southampton had a better striker, they'd have scored. Uh, they eventually scored from you know a big looping cross from Danzo. That was it. Southampton were the better side in the second half. And if it wasn't for Danzo getting a second a second yellow card, they probably would have won that game. But Stop the thing is, once it went to 10 men and Southampton just dropped into a low block, I watched it for 20 minutes. I went, United aren't going to score. They've got nothing. Unless it's an absolute worldie, which United don't really score from outside. Young was close, though. Look, listen to yourself. <laughs> even, if he, even if he was close, listen to yourself. <laughs> I. This is a mid-table Manchester United yeah. side. This is this is a mid-table Manchester United side being managed by someone who has less experience than the Southampton manager. And people are going to call Paul Pogba an idiot. And Paul Pogba's there. I said, I said this earlier. Paul Pogba wants to be in Madrid, passing with Luka Modric and hanging out with Eden Hazard and Karim Benzema. Paul Pogba instead is in Manchester United when people are signing Pogba out in Carrington and he has to pass to Andreas and Scott McTominay. I'd be pissed off every day. If I saw Edward, I'd be choking him out. I'm furious. If you take Pogba, because again, Pogba didn't have his, his greatest game. I told you about his, his greatest game. But if you take Pogba out of that team, United have serious, they literally don't have a midfield. If Martial isn't in that team, they don't have an attack. And you say to yourself that, was it really a wise decision for Sokcha to sell Lukaku? Because you're putting a lot of pressure, slightly on Martial, but a lot of the pressure on Rashford. Because now, the spotlight is firmly on, on him. And I think that um, United's team is broken. They just don't have the, the personnel. So you have the commission of Sokcha, who is a rookie. He is still very inexperienced. And they have a team who the quality of individuals isn't that they, literally do not, they don't have a midfield. Pogba is the only quality midfield that they have in that entire midfield. That is seriously problematic. I really fear for United this coming season, you know. And I think... Um, for where Southampton are concerned, Danzo, I'm sorry, that has to be one of the dumbest decisions I've seen a footballer make in a while. Bro, like, there was there's no reason to make that ta- tackle. And you could have cost your team the fl- the flipping draw or even the, the, the win, or rather the, the, the points. So that was just stupid. But it's think, not like he was trying to get Ronaldo or Messi either. It was McTominay. What is he going to do with and, the ball and, and on also the right McTominay wing? McTominay was way away from goal. So it's made no sense whatsoever. But I think you just show that basically Southampton without Nathan Redmond, they rely a lot upon what, what that guy does. I don't think they have anybody that offers that kind of attacking threats other than him, really. So, and I said, like Shane, Shane Long, I think the guy is a, is a championship player. He's not a Premier League player, you know. So, um, hey, uh, yeah. Okay. So, Carl, I wanted to ask you this question just because, like, I'm, I'm assuming, like, you're going to basically a Premier League match every week these days. Like, what are you seeing that's different from what people might observe on television? Um, you get a greater sense of tactical shape. So, like, Daniel James had Cedric beaten every single time. He was stood outside of him every single time. Um, I'm obviously getting a, a fun look at goal kicks. Obviously, that's the part of the pitch everyone's looking at. So I'm seeing goal kicks not only from behind the keeper as he w- wings it in, but how the entire pitch moves. Um, my perception of my opinion on VAR has changed slightly. So I was, you know, I've been fairly pro VAR. And I've been very much um, the problem isn't VAR is the broken rule book, and I'm like, oh, but VAR takes the fun out of fans uh, sat in the stadium. And I'm like, well, the hell with them. That's what I was previously, but now I am. And observing the stadium, what I am realizing is VAR is really confusing. It's really hard to understand what's going on when VAR is called in a stadium because there's no mics. Because on television, you get 
the commentator saying, oh, they're pulling back VAR for this. This is what the review is for. This is what's going on. Oh, there it is. There's the line. In a stadium, it's just VAR has been called. Maybe if you see the screen, there's going to be some lines put on it if it's an offside. But if it's not, then it is up to you to interpret what on earth something has happened. So we had one incident two weekends ago at Brighton where Brighton had gold chalked off. And uh, most people in the stadium believed it was an offside. But I was sat there going, oh, it's an offside because the Brighton player backed into the goalkeeper. And I had Brighton fans, you know, the, the press box in the Amex is quite nice because you're more or less in the in the stand next to the, um, the home fans. So I had Brighton fans come over to me and go, excuse me, mate, what is this? I'm like, that's that's what's going on. I'm like, oh, you have no idea. Uh, this is why people who go to football every single week don't like VAR because not because blah 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 blah, and it's like ruining their experience. It's ruining their experience because it's just confusing. Mm. It, it's so confusing to know. And if you're the type of person who goes to football at three o'clock on a Saturday, not necessarily because you love tactics or because you necessarily love the global game or because you necessarily think that you're going to watch Champions League quality football every single week because you support a top six club. If you watch a Brighton or a Sheffield United or a Norwich or a Newcastle, if you just watch football because that's what you do on a Saturday and that's good, and you do that because that's what your dad did on a Saturday, then VAR is just a head mess, man. <laughs> you have no idea what's going on. And I'm still, I'm still of the opinion that VAR can be useful and um, there is a place for it in football. But, it, you know, they should probably have some real serious conversations about what they want to do with it because it's quite a head scratcher in a stadium to watch is it old trafford and anfield that don't have a screen in in their stadium i remember there's something weird about like there's two stadiums in the premier league that don't have a screen i remember the the, the arsenal goal that was offside that socrates scored and they had that screen um in the emirates that was like goal and then var checking no goal at least they have that. There's like stadiums where you don't even get like the courtesy of being told what's going on. So, yeah, I was just curious about the in-stadium experience. Um, obviously, you get the chance and you get to properly understand what people are saying. Uh, so at every single stadium I've been to so far this season, partway through the game, there has been a fuck VAR, fuck VAR chant. Um, <laughs> Very it's creative. Just, huh? It's just fun. Uh, what else have I picked up on? Uh, obviously, because of press, con- I'm in press conferences now, so I get to pick up on certain managers' ticks and nuances. Raf Hassel, if Raf Hassel likes a player, he describes a player as open-minded in that accent. Jurgen Klopp's very funny. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is already very, very stressed out. Uh, Sean Dyche is, yeah, Sean Dyche likes it when he wins. Um, and that's what I've experienced so far. By the end of the season, I want, like, best food... Best atmosphere, like all of those kinds of things, but we'll get there when the time comes. PSG we'll agreed deal to sign Inter's Mario Icardi on an, an initial loan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have that written down. Icardi PSG, Navas PSG, Mkhitaryan Roma. We'll get there. We, we we'll, we'll get to deadline day. Um, to round out kind of the Premier League stuff, Liverpool won, Man City won. Have hope. I'll give you both teams. What stands out to you? Maybe we could go into maybe Salah Mane if you wanted. Or whatever's going on with uh, Manchester City, but what's on your mind? They're not they're not losing a game any anytime soon. Um, I just think like this really? is probably the, this is probably the strongest squad. No, this is the strongest squad that Pep would have had probably ever. And as far as as a squad goes, this might be his strongest squad. His best team obviously was Barcelona, but in terms of his squad, guys he can bring in from the bench is probably the thing. Laporte's the Laporte injury is a concern. It is a concern, but people say it's, it's a concern. He'll just keep hold of the ball as he did. In the 2011 Champions League final, when people thought Mascarano was going to be a, a, a potential weak, weak point, 
that United could exploit. So he just focused much more on the team to keep possession on the ball and, and protect the ball. So Stones and Otamendi have less defending to, to, to do. Stones is injured. Like, like this, is, this is the thing. It's not, oh, they've lost their, arguably their best centre-back. It's, hang on, Laporte injured, Stones injured, Mendy injured. So in terms of centre-backs, Manchester City have Otamendi and Cancelo, who's a fullback. Pep's choices right now are you play Carl Walker as a centre-back and you play Cancelo. You can play Otamendi with Fernandinho. Like those are your choices. What, what do you want to do? Then that that's that's why people are going. This is a big deal for Pep Guardiola because what 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 is your, what are his options there? Um, and this is bound to happen, right? City and Liverpool are going to play fifty-five to sixty games a season. Mm. They're two of the best teams in Europe, and Liverpool got very lucky last season with injuries. Apart, you know, Joe Gomez went down, but that was about it. Trent, I think yeah. went down for some while. Yeah, Trent went down, and that's when. You know, that's when that seven point lead got reduced to one. Um, and City obviously, well, they were lucky in the fact that all of those injuries just seemed to happen to Kevin De Bruyne. So rather than get spread out, well, they had a little yeah. bit of injuries to Fernandinho, but the majority of injuries only happened to uh, Kevin De Bruyne. We're basketball fans on this podcast, and we've talking about the you know the cumulative effects of deep finals runs to Golden State Warriors and to to the Cleveland Cavaliers. You can't play that many games in a season back to back to back eventually players are going to drop off and that's why you build these big squads. So mm. the interesting now is well, what's going to happen in City. I'm not going to say Manchester City are going to completely fall apart because, you know, Manchester City set got 100 points when they were playing Fabian Delph at left-back and <laughs> then they got 98 points when they had Kevin De Bruyne injured. So I'm sure Pep Guardiola is going to do his magic and turn Kyle Walker into the best centre-back in the country or he's going to transform Zinchenko or Fernandinho is going to be a great centre-back. Something will probably happen, but it is a Hang on, gods do bleed. They could sign company back. Apparently, he's not doing too great. At Apparently, uh, back in the day, well, obviously, I used to cite Football Three Six Five on this podcast a lot. One of the journalists who freelances there has got money on Vincent Company lifting up the Premier League trophy as a player for Manchester City at the end of the season. So, like he a thinks, January emergency. He thinks it's going to be a January emergency. Company's going to leave Anderlecht, become a free agent, and then get signed by City. So, not the worst. Yeah. Not the worst. So. Lastly, in the Premier League, before we move elsewhere, Mane was furious at Mohamed Salah for whatever reason, but we know the reason. This has kind of sort of been coming. This isn't as out of the blue as I think some people are making it out to be. Like We've seen Mane be irritated with Salah's greediness on more than one occasion. It just didn't... I don't think he showed it that much, but this was just kind of like the last straw, I guess. So problems for Liverpool or do you think you know Klopp will just smile and laugh and everybody will be okay after the international break? If you're judging from Milner's um, post on social media, they're already like joking about it. So I think you know Milner just put out a thing saying, oh no, Manny was just angry because he wanted me to come on in- instead. So I think they've tried to just cool it down because they know that they don't want any kind of negative vibes to, to go through. So I think for when Liverpool are concerned, I don't think it's an issue. But I think for Klopp, this is when you have to really manage because there's managements you do on the pitch and there's managements you do off the pitch. The management you do off the pitch is almost as important, probably if more important than the management you do on the pitch. I think he has to, to decide, do you maintain this Salah shoots on site strategy? Because he is your, he has been your top goal scorer two seasons in a row. So do you say, look, man, he's a main goal scorer. He's a main goal athlete and let's go. Or do you say, bro, we need to focus on, on, on winning games and we need to be ruthless. So if this thing goes comes down to, to goal difference, our goal difference is looking healthy. Uh, this is all an invention. 
So yeah, there's no there's no beef. It's been sorted. But I'm not talking about the beef. I'm just talking about there is still a, a potential footballing issue, i.e. There isn't. It's sorted. Right, it's been sorted. There there was a really good article on the Athletic today that the Athletic reporter for Liverpool called up Liverpool and a source went, It wasn't an issue by the time the players got back to the dressing room. It's done. It was a heat of the moment thing, storming a teacup. Klopp sorted it. Of course that's what a Liverpool spokesman is gonna say, but like the reality <laughs> of the situation is if money is in space and solid doesn't pass to him, that like, oh, no, no, it's money. No, 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 no matter what a Liverpool source says, like humans are humans at the end of the day. Money's not gonna be happy. It's been explained to him and it's been explained to Salah what's going on, and it's done. We, we, oh. we talk about Klopp being a really important man manager. Of course. So it's sort when Klopp says it's sorted, it's sorted. This is Monday. That's the thing. Like it was sorted as soon as they left the stadium. <laughs> yeah. He looked irate. <laughs> No, nah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Nah. It's done. Nah. It's done. Nah. It's, not, it's not a thing. Uh, uh, Salah, let's not let's not get this twisted. Salah has a bit of a selfish streak, right? He's got 74 goals in 110 games, right? He's broken a stack of records. He is shooting on sight. He, it definitely should have passed, right? Um, a year ago, Mane didn't pass to Salah, and people were angry. But in terms of passes to each other, they all pass to each other freely. Mane has played 177 passes to Salah and Salah has played 172 to Mane. From like how much Firmino passes to those two. So Firmino passes, has passed 222 times to Mane and 256 times to Salah. Like, look, Salah is very clearly the, the main gunner in that yeah. system, despite the fact Mane is more important. I, well, I say Mane is more important, always the more. Well, I prefer watching Mane. I think most people do, but this is the thing. Salah knows his use to Liverpool is his goal scoring. Outside of him, not if Salah doesn't score goals, what is his use to Liverpool? He's great off the ball running. He's really good at dragging players out of position when he runs near post. Salah Salah can cause an assist without touching the ball because he just runs near post and defends like, oh shit, I got to follow Salah. This happened over and over again at St. Mary's when I was watching him. I'm like, oh, there he is. He's just pulling the centre back out of position. Yeah, I, I just I'm I'm, Let's, I'm, not, I'm hesitant to believe sources inside the club say look, everything's fine, bro. Look, no way, man. No let way. Let me No way, nah. Let me be. Let me be really. I'm gonna be blunt. Mm-hmm. It would be more interesting for me as a journalist and me as a football fan if there is a beef between those two people, right? Yeah, yeah that's fine. I like and 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 me as a petty human being to see there's beef between those two people <laughs> on at least three levels i want those two i want that to be real but you've got mane who is a relative who i know is a fairly unselfish football player Ma- salah who is a uh he's not an unintelligent man he understands he's got a very good job there and i've got you've got Jurgen Klopp, who we know for a fact spends a lot of time explaining to salah one-on-one personally with video stuff going this is the liverpool team this is what you're good at this is how the Liverpool team works really, really, really hard for you to do that. Show appreciation. And that's why you're not going to Real Madrid. Click. Right. If any player in that system is is allowed to throw their toys at the pram, it's Mane. But also Klopp is the type of manager who probably has spent all Sunday or all Monday today going to these players. You two shake hands. And if you're being dickheads again, Origi's going to play. And trust me, Origi's good now. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Okay. I mean, I don't believe it, but Okay. So, Juventus Napoli, talk to me. Um, yeah, no, look, very exciting game. This shows that Napoli look pretty good. I think it's very impressive that I think three of the new signings scored. Um, Lozano looks exciting. The defense of Napoli looks shaky. The defense of Juve looks shaky. That Chiellini injury, I think, is going to be very problematic. I think 
I still believe in Delict's quality, but I think he's going to come under serious pressure right now because he has to play with Kelly being injured. Hence why UV we're trying to get Boateng on a deadline day deal. But that defense is going to be an issue. Bonucci post AC Milan in the same is this not the same as the Bon or Bonucci pre AC Milan? But I think what this showed is that as good as Napoli were, I don't think Napoli have the mileage to really last the distance for Juve. So I think the best chance of Juve being dethroned is in, is in Milan. But I do think that we've not yet seen what a Sarri Juve looks like. He's, he, he still, I think he traveled with them, but he wasn't on the touchline. And watching the game, I was I still didn't see Juventus play the Sarri way. So until Juve started to play the Sarri way, then we don't really know how this team looks and how effective they will be. Because remember, going from Conte to Allegri wasn't that much of a departure. Still pretty much a pragmatic system. But going from Allegri to Sarri, that is a big leap. Because you're now going from pragmatism to now possession, offensive psychology. So it's been interesting to see because the only, the, the maybe that could be the chance of other teams to dethrone Juve from doing nine in a row is that is it going to be a long time for them to really implement this new idea or new system? But at the same time, they've got Cristiano, a goal-scoring freak. So it's, it's going to be interesting to, to, to see what a Juve sorry, looks like. Um, but that was worrying, though, how Juve were 3-0 up and it went back to 3-3. And Delitz and Bonetti were really suffering the defensively. So, yeah, it's, it's maybe we could be in for a three-horse race in this area. Two things. Firstly... Higuain, where was that when you played for Chelsea, bro? <laughs> that goal was it was ridiculous, like the touch and then the the shot. I was like, where was this at, at Chelsea? He's, I think he scored one of those against like Huddersfield, but it took a deflection. But I was like, yeah, that that pissed me off. Secondly, man, I felt really bad for Koulibaly, man. Oh, so bad, so bad, so bad, bro. Like he, he didn't deserve. Basically, that. the last touch of the game. I don't even know if he had to, but maybe he thought I I can't let this bounce it's, or get past me, so moment, he just man. stuck the leg man. out. Great finish, by the way, but, you know, felt bad. I, I didn't want to go on Twitter and type in, like, Kulabali nigger, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that could have been said to him, bro. Like, I mean, okay, next week we're going to have, I think, like, the whole show is just going to be about just the state of football and what's going on, but we will we will get to that later. But uh, those those two things, I was very annoyed. Carl, did you watch? Are you Are you into Serie A or not so much this year? Uh, I really don't watch too much football that isn't the football I have to watch for a living. Mm. You made <laughs> it your job, bro. You I'm made sorry, it your man. job. You made now it your it's job. My, now it's my job. I can't. <laughs> you made it now your job. job. Job, I watch one game in 90 minutes and then maybe I'll watch one more. It's not even a job. It's your career at this point. So, like, oh, I, can, I can understand, That's man. bleak. <laughs> um, allegedly, allegedly. I like my job. I like my job. Let's not be, let's be serious. <laughs> um, What other games happened in Italy that of note? Double H. I really don't want to get into another Kaku thing. We can talk about that next week. Um, I mean, I mean, I, do, I really didn't. Um, really, that was the only game that I, I, I really yeah. caught. That was because really, really that that was the, the biggest game of the week. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, you had the Rome derby, but I I, I didn't catch because I was watching so many other games, so I didn't really catch the Rome derby. All right, so yeah. we, we we can we can go to Germany. Um, Dortmund caught L. Union Berlin. Union Berlin. <laughs> Union Berlin. <laughs> Did you watch? I'm I'm pretty sure. You, are, are are you like watching all of Dortmund's games because of Central? Oh, no, I mean, again, again, like I tried to watch the game, but I think it's clashed with it clashed with the, with the Chelsea game. I think so. As I was done doing that United game, the Chelsea game was that so it was hard to go through between both. 
both games. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, I don't want to watch all of Dortmund's and Bayern's games, but it's, it's, it's tough. But yeah, the Union and Berlin. I mean, what the hell? I'm so, annoyed, I'm so annoyed at Dortmund losing, really. it's uh, Why is it that Dortmund lose to Bayern in a massive title decider, but then can just smash him in a Super Cup? What is this? What's the point of Dortmund? Why are they always great when it doesn't matter that much? And then when I need them to do the thing, they can't do the thing. It's getting annoying. Bayern Munich are right there for the taking and they will not finish. I'm no. sick of it. You know that Leipzig have nine in nine or nine yep. from... Yep, nine was man, baby. Woo. But it's, it's kind of too early to be looking at league tables. I'm looking at league tables now. I'm like, it, it doesn't really mean anything. I mean, no, 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 no. It's, it, it's, it's true, but the La Liga one is slightly interesting because I can't remember the last time after three games, Barcelona were five points behind like that could easily be cut away very soon. It's just that Atletico look pretty consistent. And this is a Barca team that is slowly, slowly breaking it away. And they've tried to go all in for Neymar. Literally, they've tried to go all in for Neymar because they were desperate to have it. They didn't get Neymar. Do we know that for a fact? Oh, like I'm starting to think this whole Neymar thing was fake. It was just like fan fiction, conspiracy theory. Daniel, have you seen Barcelona? There team? was so much smoke. And the saying, you know, there's no Neymar, smoke without fire. Scored for Neymar. A 16-year-old, a testy baby scored for them. So it's like, trust me, they were they were very, very serious about Neymar. Just that Did you just call it a testy baby? <laughs> hey, look, he's 16, he's 16. Look, he's a, he's a, he's a child, he's a child. He's a child. Respect, respect, respect. Respect. <laughs> respect, respect. But no, basically, my, my thing is that I 100% believe that they, they, they needed Neymar because I think when you look at last season, Messi did too much on his own. Like, yeah, PK is so declining and everything, but that team, even if it's, it's getting older and it's broken, it's just, it is good enough for if you just have another top world class player performing at a high level next to Messi, that team could probably win a treble. Could. Without Neymar, it's the same as last season, but potentially worse. Where Suarez is getting older and is declining more. Yes, you've got Griezmann, but is Griezmann really enough to consistently work with Messi to get consistent results as they did last season? So, because Messi was bloody amazing last season. Yes, Van Dijk deserves the awards and everything, but you could have a you can make a strong case that Messi was the best player in the world last season individually for what he did individually. So, um. I think La Liga could, could could be interesting. I still think Barca will win it, but Messi hasn't played in these... I think it's been three games. Yeah, three games Messi hasn't played in. This is... It feels really, really stupid to to, to bet against Messi. But the Atletico side... The Atletico Madrid look like the best squad in, in Spain right now, don't they? I say don't they. In my opinion, in my opinion, of these performances I've seen so far, and, and from what little I've seen of... I say little. I've seen maybe a cumulative hour of La Liga football live. I've seen most of the Barcelona game. I've seen a bit. I've seen bits and bobs of Madrid, and I've seen highlights of Real Madrid. And I think from what I've seen, Atletico Madrid look the best team in Spain. They look that they've got the best defense, best attack. They've got that really nice fluid front six. I'm like, yo, this is this is Madrid's best chance to win it since the last time they won it. And even then, I didn't think that last time was a good chance for them to win it. Have hope you reminded me of something, and I almost forgot about this, but you know, I I, I remember it. No, you 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 said Van Dyke can win all the individual awards or whatever, but Messi was the best player, and mm. it reminded me that there was an award ceremony during the Champions League draw or whatever where they were handing out awards and stuff. So 
we need to talk about this Cantona speech. Carl sent me this or sent us this in the, in the group. So I'm assuming this is factual. It looks like it may be from The Guardian um, going by the by the font. So Eric Cantona gets up there. He can't even be bothered to wear a suit. But, you know, I guess you got to stick to your brand once you have one. And it says, uh, As flies to wanton boys, we are for the gods. They kill us for the sport. Soon the science will not only be able to slow down the aging of the cells. Soon the science will be will fix the cells to the state. And so we will become eternal. Only accidents, crimes, wars will still kill us. But unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. I love football. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Eric. Eric. So an honor to have both of you here. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, do, you, do you know what he, he did? Do you know what he did? He was like, that I love football was like, hey, this is connected to football at the end of the day. He wanted to say some, some, some stuff that had nothing to do with football. But that at the end was like, no, it has something to do with football. Cheap trick. <laughs> our friend, our friend Paul of, of the podcast and of the rank cast has said this this is classic Cantona in that it makes a lot of sense if you know what he's referencing and what he's trying to do. The thing about Cantona is he uses a lot of Paul said Cantona uses a lot of poetry and metaphor, which mm. um in traditionally English-speaking people don't really go in for poetry, right? I I don't know what a poem is. I stopped studying poetry when I was 15. I have no I have no ear for poems. Um so first things first, um, as flies for the gods. It's Shakespeare. Yeah, that's King Lear. Yeah. Uh, and when he's talking, I think, and I said this when it happened, and I, I'm trying to say, I think Cantona is trying to make a point about um, how money and medical advancements, people think when you have more money and more medical advancements, things will get better. But what inherent, what is happening is that you're getting a bigger gap between the haves and the have-nots. And then he says, I love football. I think what he's trying to one's trying to make it like a big remark about political sciences and whatnot, and how rich people can inevitably live forever and cure all sorts of diseases while poor people die of pneumonia and diarrhea, really. But also, if you read it in the context of he's saying it at an award show for some of the best football players in the world, who are who some of them are tax cheats, and some of them are playing for football clubs that are funded by uh how should i say unscrupulous governments i think what he's trying to say is that as more and more money is being put into football we will inevitably get to a state where football will be incredible however the disasters that used to happen momentarily in football are going to become worse and worse and worse or he's just crazy yep. crazy bro didn't he tweet out the egg in the bro, that was hilarious. I still have. No, I, can't, I don't know what that was. <laughs> what was the, what was the poetry behind that, bro? I don't know. I, I, every now and again, I remember that, and I just smooth my head. Yeah, so I, you know, it, the problem with Cantonades, if he says that in a suit and he's well shaven, maybe you could take it seriously. But he looks like a hermit that just came from some French 
woods somewhere and he was like, you know what? They're going to give me a microphone. So I might as well just say some stuff. Cryptic, I think is what people call it. <laughs> this comment says, here comes Eric wearing a red shirt and a flat cap. Look, He looks like he hasn't saved since 2003. <laughs> he is magnificent and he's about to speak. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was just like, what? But I, I guess once you read it written, maybe you could take the kind of poetic, but you know, it just feels like an English class and I don't like English classes. So um, during that ceremony, Virgil van Dyke got the UEFA Player of the Year. Yay, I guess. Um, what do you mean, I guess? He's the best center back in the, in the world right now. Come on. I don't care about individual awards. You know, <laughs> so it is what it is. Although I agree with the timing of this because it's about last season. The Ballon d'Or, we'll, we'll get there when it comes. Um, Champions League groups. Um, what stood out to you guys in terms I don't of. Okay, I'm not in the Champions League, am I? Go away. You're in Group L, bro. <laughs> That's funny, man. That is funny. That is like I That's can't, funny. I can't believe That's that. Comedy. <laughs> That's comedy. Group That's L. Funny. Group L. Oh, man. Anyway, but yeah, Champions League. Um, I'm trying to remember who's with who. Um, Juve are with Atletico. PSG are with Real Madrid. Man City got an easy group as they always do. Um, who are Bayern with? Tottenham. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Chelsea are with Valencia and Lille. And, Lille. Um, Who's the other team? Ajax. Ajax. There, there's some. Oh, Liverpool got uh, Napoli. So there's some interesting games. Um, have hope as someone who discusses these things ad nauseum. Um, what are some points that you've taken away from Champions League group stage before we get into some questions? Um, no, I think we have some great matchups, although UEFA needs to try and figure out a way where we don't have all these great matchups at the same bloody time. I can watch two two games at once, I can't watch three games at once. That's something I can't do. So, come on, so but I think you know, we have some really good matchups, so I think. Every time the Champions comes through, I always say to myself, that what is going to be the, the surprise team? So last season, of course, it was Tottenham and Ajax. Season before, Roma. Season before that, I believe it was, that was the Monaco season. The funny thing is, because I think we've not really been moving away where the same usual four are in there. Because Bayern Munich, I don't think I'm going to make the final four. PSG wants to make the final four. Real Madrid and England going to make the final four. Like Liverpool will be there. Juve, potentially, yeah. City, I have no idea. City should. They're better because if Pepper doesn't win the, the Champions League, he's a he's a, a failure. So <laughs> we just have to just wait and see who's going to be the surprise team. Atletico look all right. Atletico look really solid. Maybe, maybe, maybe for Atletico. Let's get to you guys' questions. Uh, Pratik Gupta, why is there a scarcity of world-class number nines like Lewandowski, Aguero? All we have is Lukaku, Morata, Giroud. <laughs> So, so where are all the number nines, guys? South game America. has changed. Game has changed. I think what you're seeing now is, I don't, I don't like to call it the evolution of football. I just think it's just the change of football. Like your strikers are your inside forwards. Those are your strikers. Whereas that the guy in the middle is a Firmino. That is what most teams are now looking for is their Robert Firmino in the middle. Because their goal scorers are those guys that come from the wide. Your Cristiano, your Bale your Salah, your Mane. So guys like Lewandowski and the thingy, they're just not in vogue. Maybe we'll, 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 we'll go back to that classic striker being in there, but I just think football has sort of moved away. So the guys, so now like if they are younger kids now and a coach is looking at like a bunch of under nines, under eights or everything, he's probably saying that, eh, 
you being the finisher there, try and walk with in your overall game. You just knowing how to finish, I need more from you now. So more is demanded of strikers. And I think more is demanded of wide players, not just to be guys who can cross the ball, but also can actually do more with the ball and actually dribble and actually score goals. So it's just a change, but it's a change. Yep, yep. Half hope is correct. This was first pointed out by, guess who? Arsene Wenger. Uh, when Sergio Aguero first came to Manchester City, he said Aguero is really good. He's the last of a dying breed of solo number nines because the idea now is uh, if a player turns up who is nine years, six, seven, eight, he, and he goes to the academy, we'll coach out the striker's instinct out of him by the time he gets to 14. Because mm -hmm. the idea is obviously you want to make sure everyone is uh, a near universal type player who can, you know, if you believe in total football, crow style football, where you can play in every single interchangeable position, eventually you get 10 midfielders. Like the platonic ideal of the Barcelona system involves just a bunch of midfielders and number 10s doing stuff. Very famously, Barcelona make everything they want in La Marseille and then they buy a number nine because the La Marseille system cannot create a striker. Because if you are going through your entire school life learning pass, move, pass, move, pass, move, pass, move, by the time you're 18 and you, your goal is get the ball shoot all the time, you can't do it. This is one reason why I never really particularly liked Pep Garner's Barcelona system because of 20 Spain pass balls. From like yeah. late, late 2000s, early 2010s. Yeah. I'm sick of these 20 pass goals. I want someone to just get the ball from 35 yards out and just absolutely whack it. It's like very um, boring, very boring football. It's not, it's, it's not for me. I'm not going to say it's boring. It's just not for me. I always right. prefer bicycle kicks and volleys and diving headers than I do to any goal that I go play on fast forward. Um, <laughs> and I said this, I said this in the I group chat you. recently, and I said this before, that I'm not, I'm not here for, for fast forward goals. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that that's a uh, backed up version of what Half Hope said. The number nines are going away because we're coaching out of them. If you want to ask where's the number nine, I will say Dominic Solanke. He is a proper number nine. He's what we. He's <laughs> what we. He's what we used to call a die bomber or a a, yeah, a, a die bomber number nine. Where I'm not going to leave the penalty area. I'm just going to get the ball, shoot, and score. And look at him. He went through all of Chelsea's academy. He was their striker out and out. Didn't make it at Chelsea. Went over to Liverpool. Liverpool were like, well, we need someone here that can lead the press and tackle and pass. And you can't do that. Sat on the bench at Liverpool. He's been sold to Bournemouth, and Bournemouth are going, well. What are we going to do with you? Like The number nine has gone, well, basically to Scotland. Look at Jermaine Defoe. You have to be able to pass now. You have to be able to press. And if you can't do that, then you're not going to be able to be, you're not going to be able to lead the line for a major club in Europe. That's the way of the world now. Thoughts on Rebic signing for Milan from Hazard. Good, bad? Oh, no, no. Very good signing. I mean, watching him at the Walker, very good signing. Is, well, it's, I mean, it's something. It's a good player, but I think is it enough to make Milan title challengers? No, but it is. He's a very good, good player. And I think Milan just need more good personnel and just more good because the, the more quality players they have, the better. So yeah, good, 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 good player, but not enough to really say, wow, they're gonna do something. Um, from coming up short, am I crazy for thinking that as good as Poch has been for Spurs, a lot of the time it feels like he's been saved by moments of individual brilliance, both in defense and attack. There seems to be no attacking plan other than Ericsson create something or Sun and Kane score out of nothing. 100%. Nothing more to add. Yeah, 100%. Shak Sam Gupta. If Pestman City doesn't win the Champions League this year, should he ever be mentioned in the same breath as Sir Alex Ferguson, Jose, or Ancelotti? Um, I don't think it should be contingent on this year. 
by the phrasing of the question. So, well, on, 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 like, oh, I mean, if he never wins the championship with Man City, never be mentioned with him. If he does, oh, 100%. But if he never does win the championship with Man City, you can't mention him in the same breath as those. This person contends all of his great achievements have been with Messi, Xavi, Iniesta. I mean, that's not a bad thing, man. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not the greatest of all time. Boom. I mean, yeah, it's not the worst thing. And that's, no, come on. Like, Phil Jackson is one of the most decorated NBA coaches of all time. That triangle is a bad system. <laughs> Jesus, man. Don't disrespect the triangle. The triangle sucks. <laughs> Bro, it won six rings plus three plus two is this what? Is it, right? This is, I think this 11 is... rings. How is it trash? <laughs> because, because. Uh, Phil Jackson and Knicks. This is an NBA podcast. This is an NBA... and he was a Knicks, so he has twelve. Um, where do you rank the trio of Neymar, Icardi, and Mbappe today? In the to the likes of what Liverpool, Barcelona, and so what? What question is this? What? Neymar, Icardi, Mbappe as a front three compared to oh you know, oh yeah, Mane, oh, Salah, Firmino. Um, what is Barcelona's front three? Yeah, that's a good to front three. Yeah, because the Liverpool front, front three. three. Real Madrid's front three? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's not front three, though, is it? Real Madrid thinking. Mm, mm. And, and also, we and haven't seen Hazard this. yet. We haven't seen Hazard yet. So. I haven't seen Hazard yet. And uh, Zidane is a worse coach than Liverpool's coach. Bruh, PSG might coach. have... PSG, that's that's the best front three in the world. I'll no, it's it not. Now. The best front three in the world is Liverpool's front three. No, it's, it isn't. It's, yes, it is. Who's a better striker, Firmino or Cardi? Firmino. Firmino is the best number nine you in the world. You are on Messi. drugs. You're on no, drugs. No, no, no. I'm in Southampton. What am I supposed to do for fun? <laughs> chill, 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 chill. No, 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 no. It's like striker. Based on finishing, Icardi is better. Based on false nine, Firmino might be the best false nine in the world. So it depends how you're... It depends on what you want. Okay. Yeah, it depends on what you want. Okay, so, so that's a draw. Salah or Mbappe? Mbappe. You were I'm cheeky because you paused it and you were prepared. I know what you're doing. You ain't slick. It's like Salah is the better goal scorer. Mbappe is the better They play on the same side. What do you mean? Because like Neymar is going against Mane and that's Neymar. It's the better front three, but we don't have time. Um, when these pundits say dumb things, for example, Kante is like Makalele, Lukaku could be the next drug boat when they're totally different players. Do you think they're trolling or being serious? Considering... Since they used to be footballers from A one, I think they I just know. think they're stupid. I don't. I don't think they're stupid. I think they don't know. And like now, I'm in the pundit sphere. I say I've said a lot of things. They've already bit me in the back because honestly, some of the questions you ask me, I don't know the answer, and I have to make one up. I can't just say on TV <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna be real with you. I, I can't think about it. Would you What's like? What's wrong a with saying I don't know? This is one of the like. Just say <laughs> I don't know. But people just want to come up with ah. Let me just pontificate from a place of ignorance just people say say, i don't know people say oh i don't mind but if you say i don't know know on tv then your pundit then your pundit that's over over. you ain't gonna get called back you want me to risk (laughs) mine you want to take bread out my mouth no just don't be stupid at the start of the season at the start of the season we had people going predict your the league table no one in their right mind honestly knows how the league table is going to look like because no one watches every single team in the premier league Look at this podcast. This podcast is primarily top six base. If someone came on this podcast right now and asked me, why are Watford not firing in the same way that they were doing last season? What would you say? Je sais pas. Je ne sais pas. I don't know. Play the fifth. Play the fifth. Play the fifth. <laughs> <laughs>
I would say I, I would I'd probably come up with something about uh Troy Dini or Andre Gray or um Decore. We have had people we have said we've do they still have Gomez in goal? <laughs> no, he retired. He retired at FA Cup, he retired on a six L. Yeah. Um I don't know. Like, we have said some dumb things on this podcast because I know we I know we should say I don't know and we should get in the habit of saying I don't know because once you say it once it's quite freeing and it can get almost addictive like, i don't know but i'll find out for you and it's something i do at work quite often when people are like who's this on the what about this under 18 kid at southampton i don't know who he is i've been here for two weeks let me learn but at the same time when your job is on the line you go like, uh lukaku is drug book <laughs> well i don't think i don't think they're saying lukaku is drug because they're an idiot i think what they're doing is what a lot of us do when you don't know the true answer is you hypothesize right See, this is me. this is a consequence of so, sorry to cut you, but this is a consequence of like you know those games you play when you're a kid and like you flip over one tiger and then you have to put it back down and then you just try to find pairs of things. Yeah. So I, I'm trying to find what looks like this looks like that. So it's a match in my mind, and you're trained to kind of put things that look similar in one category. So Kante and Makalele look alike. Same thing. That's why they want Kante to sit in front of the back four like some static player, even though he's never done that in his career. But it's just I'm playing a matching game, and I want to get as many pairs as I can, and I think that's where that stuff comes from. Yeah, and I think you know people have already I've already you know I've already seen people compare Musa Janepo to Sadio Mane because they're left-sided African wingers playing for Southampton. Their games are kind of similar, but it's been 50 minutes of Musa Janepo, and that's that. You if eventually you know we use a lot of metaphor we use a lot of simile the easiest way to describe stuff is to describe stuff using things you already know i don't think i don't think every single pundit who goes lukaku is like jogger is doing it just because they're both black and played for chelsea i think they're doing it because they're like there is a very good scenario where best case scenario this young kid comes in who's quite physically strong ends up being coached in a similar way to didier jogba and ends up like didier jogba that's probably what they meant now, a pundit who goes on TV and says Sheffield United play long ball is an idiot. It's someone who hasn't been researching Sheffield United because that's not what Sheffield United do. They're just saying that because they haven't seen Sheffield United games. And for that, you should be able to go on TV. Like, I don't really know. I don't I haven't seen much. There's a journalist from The Independent, Miguel Delaney. He does Sunday supplement sometimes. And every now and again, they ask him about a player and goes, oh, to be honest with you, I'm not the most au fait with that player. But from what I understand, or like from what I understand about that club, this, 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 which means maybe he's this, 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 and this. Right? Even if you don't know, the thing about a lot of football journalists is you can maybe guess based on what you know about world football. That's the end of that. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll talk about Groom Soonest next week. Anyway, uh, the rest of these questions we will touch on Talking Tactics Extra. I apologize. So, this has been Talking Tactics Podcast. We do this every Tuesday. Remember to follow us on the social medias, SoundCloud, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, if you're listening on Spotify, remember to give us a follow. iTunes, remember to leave us a five-star review. Subscribe. It's free. What are you doing? And if you want extra, we have a Patreon page where we record 30 to 40 minutes extra for you guys every week. $3 a month. Not that bad. Check it out. Carl, where can people get you? Anchorman616. Double H? That's Half Hope Hot. I'm at Daniel to look. Talking Tactics Podcast, sometimes funny. Sometimes serious. Always football. Indeed. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace. Okay. This is Talking Tactics Extra. Shout out to everybody that's been with us for September. If you've joined mm. last month or if you're going to join, I don't know, whenever you listen to this. Shout out to you for 
for being a, a Patreon. It really means a lot. Um, it's always weird, like when you see like a new month, and like, yo, people stayed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's very cool and I'm heartwarming. I guess not to be sappy, but it is what it is. Um, we did have some questions left over from the regular podcast, so I do want to touch some of these. This is from Pac Mouse. He said, "Thoughts on Navas to Madrid? Already the best keeper they've had since since the Qataris took over." I'm trying to think of the keepers they've had and Sirigu, Trap, Ariola, Buffon. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else, but I mean, like Sirigu was pretty decent. Sirigu was 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 decent. But I think Navas is probably better than that. Um, with the rest of the top six playing poorly so far, will Liverpool and City get close to 100 points again from AJ Cool? Um, I think one of them will get close to 100. But mm. yeah, what is close to 100? Sports Social Podcast Network.